welcome to Monologues by Hassie, where I'm going to be dropping unsolicited brain dumps from the depths of my grey matter. I'll talk about life, money, society, and self-development, plus whatever else lies up there, whilst hopefully not getting cancelled in the process. This has been an interesting week for me in that I've been reminded of my mortality and how easy it is for humans to get sick and injure themselves, which isn't always the greatest thing when it happens, but I'm trying to look at the positive side of that and using this as motivation to go into this particular podcast today in which I'll be describing how I'm trying to create a financial safety net for myself, and I should be very specific, a temporary financial safety net using emergency funds and different types of insurance. Now, before I head into this topic, I want to make it very clear I'm only describing the steps that I'm personally taking. This isn't intended to be guidance for anyone. This is not financial advice, and I won't be referring to any products by their names. I won't be referring to my insurance provider. I'll only be giving a very high-level breakdown of what types of insurance I've applied for and the way that I'm going about coming to the amount of funds I want in my emergency fund. Now, I recommend that anybody seeking to improve your finances and your personal finances, go seek a qualified financial advisor. And now that I've got that disclaimer out of the way that this is not financial advice, let's begin. So as I mentioned at the start, I've been reminded how easy it is to become sick or and become injured. And fortunately, nothing that's happened to me this week has impacted my ability to work. Nevertheless, that could always happen. And it's not just about getting sick. There are things in the economy outside of your control which could happen. If anyone's been watching the news in the last couple of days, we can see that in Silicon Valley, the Silicon Valley Bank has essentially gone bankrupt, right? There's been a huge bank run. The bank made a few mistakes in the way that they secured the funds of people who deposited money. And as a result, a lot of people and businesses stand to lose money. And it's likely that if they don't find a resolution and if regulators don't come in and save the bank, that maybe layoffs could start. And we know that 2023 has been a tough year. Interest rates have been rising. Businesses have been laying off employees. And in addition to getting sick, we could have one of these black swan events happened, we could lose our job. And all of a sudden, the pressure is really on to make sure that you're looking after yourself. And if you have a family to also look after your family. So let's start talking about emergency funds. Now with emergency funds, the general rules that I've read is it's a three month emergency fund, but I've also read that this changes for different people. Now, because I'm a single person, a three-month emergency fund is probably okay for me, but I could envisage that if I had children and if I had, you know, a family that I was responsible for, that my emergency fund would be six to 12 months, right? Depending on your risk tolerance. Now, what do those month numbers mean? These are months of living expenses. So for me, I've always kind of had an emergency fund, and I say this with air quotes, The reason being I'm somebody who's always done a lot of what by always, I mean, in the last few years, um, since I basically left university and started working, I've always heavily invested in shares and ETFs. And for me, my emergency fund was up till now has always been 
well, I've got so much money in the markets and the figure that I'm going to calculate as part of this episode is far, far less than what I have in my investment portfolio. So my kind of rationale up till now has always been, well, if something happens, uh, if I lost my job and had to find something for a few months, I could sell down some shares and normally it takes two to three days to access the money um, for those, I guess, that, that transaction to settle. So even if I sell if I sell, sell shares on Friday, I might not see the money until Tuesday or Wednesday. And as a result of that, I've also had a credit card and currently my credit card covers a little bit less than one month's salary. So I've kind of got these layer buffers there, but my circumstances are about to change. I'm looking at finally purchasing a property this year. And as a result, as much as there are gonna be all these benefits of owning my own property, there's gonna be this increased risk in that I'm also going to have a mortgage to service. So let's go ahead and calculate my three month emergency fund and what that number should be. And to do this, let's start with the mortgage. So now for all of these kind of figures that I'm presenting to you today, uh, I've buffed them up. So I'm being very conservative and by conservative, I'm making the numbers as high as I can realistically make them kind of, kind of an upper end. And the reason for this is you don't know how things could change. Interest rates could go up. Inflation could become even crazier than it is. And the costs of goods and services could increase dramatically. And as a result, I figured it's best to have a healthy emergency fund at the same time. You don't want your emergency fund to be, you know, if you're somebody like me and you like to invest, then I personally don't want too much money held up in a bank account when I could have that money invested. So the kind of logic that I'm deciding between is I need to make sure that I have enough money so that for the first three months of any sort of temporary setback that I can comfortably get through and work a way out of that situation. But at the same time, I don't want so much money that I'm missing out on returns in the market. So here's how I kind of worked out that three month emergency fund amount. So I'm gonna be, you know, at my most I'll be taking a $350,000 mortgage. There'll be a 30 year loan term and I've used a 10% interest rate and principal and repay, in, in interest repayments. So at for those particular characteristics of loan, 350K, 30 years, 10% principal to interest, the repayments are about $3,000 per month. On top of that, I'm also going to have to pay strata fees typically because I'm looking at an apartment and I'm gonna be paying strata and council rates and at the most that I'd be looking at paying for the properties I'm looking at, it's going to be about $6,000 per year in total. So which is $500 per month. So we're already at $3,500. There are also utility bills and I'm estimating this at $400 per month. And this brings us up to $3,900. And I've got groceries and other expenses and I've just set this at $500 per month. And this pushes me up to $4,400. Now, if I multiply that by three, I get $13,200. So I'm gonna round that down and just say $13,000 is what my emergency fund should be. So I know for me that in addition to the cash that I already have saved for my deposit, I need to have this $13,000 emergency fund, which is gonna sit there and it's gonna cover me if I lose my job, if I get sick, if I 
you know, if a laptop breaks, if my car breaks down and I need to replace my car, this fund should really be covering those expenses. Now, the next thing that I sorted out a few weeks ago, actually, but I just got approved this week, was a number of life insurance products. In terms of life insurance products, there are two specific types that I took policies on. The first is total permanent disability. So this is if I ever become permanently disabled and I can't go to, I can no longer work my normal job. And you know, it's, it's obviously it's a horrible circumstance and I never want to be claiming on any of these policies, but because I'm taking out a mortgage, I realized that one of the prerequisites was making sure that I had some forms of insurance to take me beyond what my $13,000 emergency fund won't do. So I took out a total permanent disability policy and I'm insured for $1 million. So that's if I become permanently disabled, I will get a $1 million lump sum, which I hope I never have to use. Now, the next type of insurance, which I also hope I never have to use is an income protection insurance policy. So for this particular policy, I got a policy which covers 75% of my pre-tax income, and that should be enough to cover the mortgage repayment. So all of the kind of monthly costs that we just discussed when I did my emergency fund calculations. So it's enough to cover that. Obviously, it's not the same as having 100% of my existing income. So it's going to be, you know, enough to get by life will be a little less comfortable, but this policy, and I can't recall the exact terms, I either took it out for a two or five year period, which means if I become temporarily disabled, uh, and I think, again, like knock, knock wood, but one thing that, you know, unfortunately happens to people is, I mean, cancer is kind of a big one where you might have to do months of chemotherapy and it might take you a year longer than a year. So I was thinking if something like that happened to me, would I have some form of insurance to cover my payments up until I get better and can re-enter the workforce? Because, you know, it makes a big difference even in terms of your recovery, just having that peace of mind and knowing that you can look after yourself in the, I guess, short to medium term. Now, in terms of how this policy works, I had to do a medical test and you know they wanted a medical because if there are certain pre-existing conditions, they'll give you exclusions. But if something does happen that isn't an, isn't an exclusion, then in my case, within 30 days, I can get onto this policy. So I have a 30-day waiting period. So if I become uh, unable to work for whatever reason, then after 30 days have passed, I can make a claim to my insurer and start receiving that income. Now, it also makes sense because we were just talking about an emergency fund and my emergency fund is three months. So if you imagine that this income protection insurance doesn't kick in until the first 30 days, then you'd be bloody happy that you had an emergency fund. And emergency funds aren't a particularly sexy thing and it's why I guess I'm only at 28 and really seriously considering one. Because again, I'm about to increase the financial risks in my life, but nevertheless, it's really important for me to, I'm happy that I've been approved for these two insurance products, total permanent disability and income. And I now know that I need to have $13,000 just 
in a separate bank account sitting there as an emergency emergency fund for when something goes wrong. You know, it's important to do these things and make sure we have financial buffers because whilst there are social safety nets, your company might have them if you're lucky. And we do have in Australia, we're very privileged to have Centrelink. There are wait times and there's gonna be a certain administrative burden to get onto these things. I think there's always a benefit to uh, working out ways that you can create your own safety net. Now, I did deliberately didn't talk about the insurer that I'm going with. I will say that it is through my superannuation. In terms of the cost of these insurance products, it's relatively trivial. It's both of them total to less than 0.8% of my total annual income. So it's a relatively small amount for me to be paying to have that security. So it's not it's not a bad investment as I see it. It gives me a bit of comfort. And now that I've got these kind of financial buffers worked out, I'm going to feel much more comfortable getting into the housing market and taking out that mortgage. Because for me, before I took out that mortgage, it was important that I've worked these two details out and that's having an emergency fund and taking out the appropriate insurance products. And again, this suits me because I'm a single 28 year old. Um, it might be different if you have a family. And of course, I will end with saying that if you are considering anything that I've discussed, please see an appropriate financial advisor. Nothing that I've spoken about is financial advice. And with that, I wish everybody great health, again, because I've been reminded of my mortality this week, and I wish you great success on all your endeavors. You've just made it through another episode of Monologues by Hassi. It brings me great pleasure to know that you made it to the end. To listen to more episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit monologuesbyhassi.com. Thanks for swinging by.